Hi, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. This is Marietta. And Elizabeth. Hello. 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 I don't know why. How's it going? Some mornings, some mornings it feels really early. Like this morning, it feels early that we're doing this. Like we always It feels do. early for me too, and I'm three hours ahead of you. It's weird. But I've been I've been working late. I've been working till like ten or ten thirty at night, so I have been going to bed ridiculously early because I have a husband with bad allergies and he doesn't want oh. any of the lights on and he's all like needy and sleepy. So how does it show up in him? Is it the sinus headache or? Um, it's weepy eyes and um, oh. and like sneezing and stuffy nose. So Yeah, Elsie had that this weekend and we just were slathering her with Vaseline, poor thing. (laughs) Over the eyes, over the nose. It's bad. It's really rough when, yeah, it's really rough. I have allergies too, but they're, right now they're not that bad. So I'm like, okay. At least you have them at different times, you know, so you can kind of take care of each other. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But it was uh, not really very fun while we were in the Grand Canyon this weekend. So, Yes. Tell us about that. Um, it was, was it really, amazing? It was awesome. Yeah. So we went to Death Valley first. Um, and I'd already been to Death Valley once. Um, but it was super cool to take um, my friends and to take Noah and show them around um, the the valley because they're, you know, take them to my favorite spots like Mosaic Canyon and Mesquite Flats and Badwater and um Anyways, so we had a good time looking at that, and it was like 90 degrees, so we were like sweating and thinking to ourselves that it's really good we weren't there in the middle of the summer when it's baking. Yeah, that um, you got that you went during the spring, right? Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then we drove the rest of the way to the Grand Canyon and stayed there for a couple of nights, and um, and we had, you know we had a really nice time. It was really, it's an amazing place. It's, you know, the pictures don't do it justice, obviously, because it's huge, like just so huge and incredible. Um, so we, we stayed and fought the crowds there cause it's already ridiculously crowded, um, for their season that hasn't even started yet. Um, and, had a great time, but Noah's allergies were ridiculous pretty much from the moment we got to the desert and then stayed bad. So it was kind of a bummer, but he says he had a great time and I'm like, well, think how much better it would have been if you hadn't had allergies too, but oh, well, what do you do? Yeah, you gotta go. Mm -hmm. So how far is that from you? Cause I Um, know not my, uh, geography out that way. Grand Canyon is a 12 hour drive from us. So, so you road tripped it. Yes. Cool. Yeah. We packed our friends, Chris and Lauren and a bunch of camping stuff in the car. And we drove six, seven hours to death Valley first. And then we drove the rest of the way to the Grand Canyon. And then, um, on the way back, we just drove the whole 12 hours. So, yeah, so Sam did that after college. He went cross country doing camping and rock climbing and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I look at him and I'm like, "Hey, what what about me? What? Right? Let's go do that again." Well, you just got to go do it. Yeah, so but we have two dogs and a kid, so we would have to rent something. <laughs> like Which would be awesome. Yeah, a van or an RV. I said that would be kind of cool. Yeah, you should totally do it. Why not? It's, it's definitely on our list. It's gorgeous and it's totally worth it. Um, and and the danger is, I think, that once you do it once, you're going to want to do it again. Um, <laughs> so just be prepared for that. You know, right? Like you're going to get out there and you're going to be like, "We need to come back here because this is amazing." Right. So yeah, I felt the same. We I went to Colorado Springs in high school and I felt the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, you walk out of you know Walmart or Target and it's like. this isn't real mountains (laughs) everywhere this is like a postcard how can you ever get used to this Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool so which makes you think about developing setting in your book or story you know 
Yeah. If you bring in a character who's not used to being in that setting, you can really describe a lot of the setting. Someone who's seen it for the first time. Yeah, you can um you can sometimes get away with that. Sometimes sometimes that trick is a little bit like overdone and you have to yeah. so you have to be careful how much you're having the foreigner come into the new land and like talk about the stuff that they see. Um because sometimes you want your um you want your significant characters to be native. And so then like you have that awkward like they're native, so why would they describe it to you? Right, kind of thing. So. But sometimes, so sometimes you can get around that by having them have a new experience that opens their eyes, right? Yes, yes, you can. So that's like that's an interesting thing, right? So if your natives are in the setting, the world that you've created, then how do you, uh, you know, give hints to the reader about this world that's different, right? Right, exactly. Because or guide the reader to create this world because people are going to put pictures in their heads. Right. Yeah. So it, I think it's most like significant in science fiction um, where you have a completely different world. Um, where like if you're reading a western or something like that, it might be different like location than you are used to, but. Um, the, the writer doesn't have to do as much to explain where it is because you're, you're used, you know, you're used to pictures of the desert. So yeah, probably smaller aspects, um, that make it more authentic and real that someone who doesn't, isn't familiar with the desert might not know. Um, but on the large scale, you don't have to do a whole lot of description of it because people when you say in the desert people get a general idea so okay but your book you would call it fantasy right yes and I think you I mean I think you've done a well from what I've read you've done a great job of creating this world that has these fantastical elements in it so you know how are you approaching that well the funny thing is like um if you actually spend any time analyzing anything that I've written which I wouldn't recommend you do too deeply because it's not that solid um to stand up to scrutiny but I don't actually focus on like description of setting that much I kind of there's a forest and you know like so there's some aspects that like I just kind of offhandedly mention and then I just leave it up to your imagination. So you fill in the details for how it looks. So in some sense, you're letting go as the author of control of what this world looks like because you don't need it to have specific parameters. You need it to have specific elements. Right, exactly. And so the elements that I need, I make sure I have control of. But the rest of it, I just am like, well, you know, if somebody envisions it one way and I envision it another it's not going to affect the story because that's that's where it comes down to with like the world building and where sometimes fantasy um, and sci-fi authors get uh, bogged down is when you're describing every teeny tiny detail but the teeny tiny details don't actually have any bearing on the story and so like just because you want to have control over those elements doesn't mean that they're necessary Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. So I say this because can we describe what happened this week? What you sent me via email? Well, yes, but um, we're not going to be sharing any links or anything like that. No, 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 not yet. It's not time. So yeah, I'll let you share. Go ahead. Well, so what what Mariana is referring to listeners is that um, I um, hired a cover designer to help me get... um, my book in order here. Um, and so she sent me three different drafts of a cover design to look at this week, which was super awesomely exciting. And I can't even believe it. Like when I saw everything kind of on the screen there, I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is, this is real. This is real. This is happening. (laughs) I'm doing this. So Holy cow. Let's look at this. Um, but so there are three and they're, they're pretty different, um, uh, takes on my character and kind of my world based on what I 
gave her, which was um, like a rough synopsis and um, and then just a description of my main character and ravens. So, um, so it's pretty interesting how different each of the three were in the first place. Um, and then interesting to decide, you know, which aspects of it do I want and which ones most closely align with my idea. And then like one of them was definitely, I was like, this is not at all like something that I would envision for this novel. Um, but, but yeah, so like, it, it just was really interesting to like, to see that, to see somebody else's vision of the words that I gave them. So. So then you sent it to me and you were like, so which one do you think? Yeah. I and I had sent it to a few people. <laughs> I have like, and I had a pretty of... strong opinion, even though I haven't seen the completed manuscripts, but I, I feel like I know your main character from what you've sent me to review. Right. And so like, automatically I was like oh it's this one so I'm interested to know what your other people said too well so the majority of people that I've sent it to um all agree with you on yes so um the yeah the majority of people agree with that one um Noah is the outlier in that he likes um there was there were two that were kind of similar and he likes the one that everybody else was not like liking as well of the ones that were similar. And then there's the one that's completely different um, that I have, I have one vote for actually, um, which kind of surprised me, but I, um, I sent the images to a couple of friends of mine who have teenage girls mm-hmm. and asked them to, like I said, here's the synopsis and here's the cover images. Which one do you like better? And um, so they were like super excited about that. Actually, they're like, we get to be involved in this process. This is amazing. Um, but like, so the one of them picked the one that everybody else likes. And then is the that the one, one I like? Yeah. And then the other one picked that one red one that is like completely different and weird and feels very Mad Max to me. And I was like, interesting. Okay. So she likes that one. And now I'm like, I think I need a wider, a wider pool to test from because, you know, like I I want to honor what my own vision is for the novel as well. But like part of a cover is to sell books too. So like. Right. But the, the thing is, the wider you release it right now, the more you lose your initial um, interaction with your audience. Right. Um, it hasn't gone that wide. So like it's, I mean, there's like five or six of my friends and then a couple of people, other teens, but I was just, you know. So I've worked with a lot of authors who don't have any say over their book cover mm-hmm. because in the publishing process, oftentimes, especially if you're in a traditional publishing model, the publisher has a cover designer who's on retainer. Right. And so the publisher sends usually his or her synopsis of the book and aligns it to what their other books look like, size and design kind of elements. Right. And that's one of the reasons that I got interested in the publishing process at all, because it seemed absurd to me that an author didn't have a voice at all in the book cover design, or if they didn't like the book cover there was nothing they could really do about it. Right. And I thought you do all this creative work in order to get to the point where you're creating a book cover and then suddenly you don't have, like it's completely different than what you thought. Right. And the person who's sitting on the cover isn't the person that you've been interacting with, the person that's coming in the middle of the night tapping you on the shoulder, this character that you've been walking with, and suddenly your book doesn't look like your book. Well, and that's why that's why you liked the particular design that you liked and and honestly I think why other people did as well is because the the one design that Mariana liked and that other people liked um you can't see the face of the character and the other one yeah. you can and the people that that when they gave me feedback they said they just didn't think that was her. So, 
Isn't that interesting that we already already have this view of who she is? I know. I'm I'm actually kind of impressed by that too because I'm I'm like there's been so little of her out there yet. <laughs> so, but the other thing is, you did send us the writing before you sent us this cover. So, with your readers, if you say this is her to your readers, and then they read about her, then this is her. You know, right, exactly. Yeah. So if that's the one you decide on, that's the one you decide on. But for those of us who've read a little bit a sneak peek, if you will, yeah. then we've already formed pictures in our head. <laughs> so we did it kind of backwards, right? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with that too, is that, I mean, there's the short story that I have that's going in the anthology in June. So like, it's going to, Oh be yeah. So you are releasing the character first, yeah. really. Yeah. So anyways, but already you're talking about what authors always have to deal with. Yes. Of Well, no, I didn't think that she could do that, or I didn't think that she would do that. Right. So why did you have her do that? <laughs> well, because she's my character, and I get to create her, okay? Exactly. Enough. <laughs> well, she doesn't look like that. Yes, she does. <laughs> or maybe. But, I mean, in this circumstance, like, the, the different um, faces that were there don't really resonate with me that heavily either. So, um likely we're going to go with that that third option the one yay um <laughs> so because there are just elements of that that i really appreciate um yeah and i'm sure that my conscientious husband would want me to do a lot more market research before i just decide but i think i don't think it's rocket science that way so anyway i'll send him a report Thank you. That would be so helpful. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of amazing. And I feel like so much more official now. I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. Right there. Yeah. Okay. So you have an author blog slash website. You now have almost a cover design. You're going to be an author. How, how are you feeling about that? I'm feeling great, actually. You know, like part of me is a little nervous because um, I'm pretty sure that there are aspects of it I'm going to screw up. But, but the thing is, and I blogged about this on my writing refinery blog yesterday, like your first attempts at anything like this are going to be imperfect. It's not possible to, to get it all right on the first try. And so like, I'm just encouraging other people as I encourage myself to fumble through it and figure it out as you go. And cause that's what I'm doing. I'm like, well, we're going to get there. And I'm asking for, you know, advice of people who are experts like Mariana, I'm asking your advice and, and you're helping me to fumble through it and figure it out. And that's, that's how you do this thing, you know? How well, and that's the thing is that you're not necessarily, um, to, fumbling through it because you're consulting people who do this for a living, right? right? You're consulting experts. Which so, is another reason why I got, I, I hired a cover designer instead of designing my own cover, right? My right. Partner, asking an expert, like somebody else who's better with Photoshop than me. Cause like I'm an artist, but yeah. I don't trust myself to be able to put out something that is the quality that I will appreciate or that I, as a reader, if I were picking up my book, would appreciate. So, anyways. Well, so I was just having a conversation with um, a, one of my clients I've been working with about, okay, so now you need to start thinking about what it would mean. You know, you're getting getting close to the publishing process. Mm-hmm. Um so what does that look like for you? You need to consider having an author website. You need to consider, well, where are you going to sell these books? And how many books do you think you're going to sell? And how many people have said, hey, when you publish that book, I want a copy. Tell me. Mm-hmm. Because you have to keep track of those people. Yeah. Those, you know, those people who say it in passing. But those are the people that you're going to go back to and say, oh, hey, my book is actually published. You want to buy your copy. Yeah. I have had yeah. a few people already tell me to that that they want physical copies of the book they don't want they don't want the ebook so I was like okay so probably a small print run or print on demand something is gonna be because you have people who are willing to do that or you know do a um, pre-sale right 
and you can, you know, kind of self-fund the print. Yep. It's yep. a way to do it. Waylon just busted in. I don't know if you heard him. But he got really excited about the fact that you're becoming an author, too. <laughs> well, it's exciting. So I'm I'm looking forward to it because I feel like, um, and this is like all of this like fumbling through stuff came out of like my annoyance with listening to a particular podcast that I actually really like um, and listening to the people who are multi-published authors, professionals in traditionally published um, professionals who are talking to somebody who self-publishes and who has a really good sales track record. Um, but like, I really felt like they were they belittling. Were, yeah. Belittling the, the people, the, the early attempts. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, your first novel, you know, everybody's first novel sucks, you know, and just, and I was like, okay, but so like, everybody has a first novel. It's not like. Right. So what about those of us who are working on our first novel? Like, how would you not say it sucks? Right. And, and I'm like, well, okay, so maybe it's going to suck. But the thing is, you can't treat it like it sucks. You have to treat it like you're proud of it. You have to work on it. You have to be invested in it. And, and then like, that's how you learn. And that's how you get better. And that's how you build your audience is by those first awkward, really painful sometimes, but authentic yeah. attempts at being like, Tag is really upset. Did you hear him in the background there? Um, well, yeah, I think he was talking to Waylon. Yeah. Could but, feel his presence. At, but you have to, yeah. So you have to be like awkward and, and own it. You can't just be like, oh no, this one's awkward and sweep it under the rug and not share it with anybody. You have to like, Put it out there. Well, and I think that this is a, a difference in the publishing process now, right? So if you do have those awkward first novels that don't have the plot or even have mistakes in the manuscript when you print it, the thing about publishing now is that you don't oftentimes have 5,000 copies that you have to sell through right. before you can make a change. I mean, on the if it's an ebook, you can submit a change and 24 hours later, it's corrected. Right. You know, and even at times pushed to the people who've bought your book as an update. Right. This is a different world of publishing. And it's the same thing with website design. You have the ability to tweak and to alter. Or, for instance, I had something, a wrong link on Harrelson Press, and somebody sent me an email and said, I was trying to do this, but this happened. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Went in and fixed it within 30 minutes. It's right. not something to get worked up about anymore. No. Yeah, you can alter things and fix things and it doesn't mean the end of your career or whatever so uh, yeah so there's a semi-permanence to some of this stuff <clears throat> excuse me that is intimidating to some people because it seems fleeting especially if you're in the self-publishing world you know this is how we get the kind of hierarchical um belief that if you're traditionally published you're a better writer than if you're a self-published writer maybe or maybe as a self-published writer you're actually uh, more utilitarian because you've figured out more parts of the publishing process than other people have. Right. Yeah. And you're reaching your audience directly. Yes. And you're getting to control your interactions with your audience. You're not having to go through an agent, a publishing house and a marketing director at that publishing house. Yeah. There's a reason that people choose self-publishing over traditional publishing. And I was at that, I know we were talking about that conference and I was with there, right. I was there and the majority of writers who were there, I would, I would say were, were middle-aged. Hmm. And they were saying, I've tried the self-publishing thing, but I just don't like it. I just want a traditional publisher who takes care of this and this and this. Well, in my head, as a small independent publisher, I'm like, right, but I'm not going to take care of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll traditionally publish you, but you've got to work too. You know, right. The days of having a publishing house that does all of the marketing and the audience development for you and all of your bookings and signings that doesn't exist anymore. You got to work for it. Yep. Everybody does. And, and I guess that's the thing that like even self-publishing is teaching people, you know, like you can, you can push publish and have something out there on the internet, like really easily, you know, it doesn't right. take that much to do it. But if you, if you really want to be an author, if you really want to be successful, you're going to want to put the time into it. And it's funny because like I, um, I'm a different creature than like 
other authors, you know, like I have my process and I'm moving along and I'm doing the work, you know, in the amount of time that I'm willing to put into it. And I have my friend Gabriella, um, her book is being published by Writer's Digest and comes out in um, June. And she, she is like, she contacts her editor, like almost daily with new questions. And she has like bullet pointed lists and she has this whole plan and she's just like, on it and she's traditionally publishing and she's just like all right here's what I'm gonna do and I'm like girl you should have just like taken this over yourself because like because you're doing all the work anyways and you're yeah so you're doing the work for them and you're giving them money <laughs> exactly so it's just um it's amusing but she wanted it. to be traditionally published yes she did yeah. and she's willing to do the work for it. and that's the thing too is that like there's some parts of um, the process that if you traditionally publish and if you don't like really think about it and you just let them do stuff, um, you might miss out on. And there are things that you could have that if you don't ask for them, you don't get them, but you have to like be proactive still. You can't look at it as a passive way to publish your novel. You like, you have to be invested in the process. So, Right. So, and that now we're right back to the book cover design. Do yeah. you have a say in that? Do you not have a say? Do you think you don't have a say? You know, because you could really ask right, exactly. if you're in a traditional publishing model and say, or I do could, have this book cover that I've been, you know, talking about. Or you could self-publish and then you totally have a say. Yes. But then you've got to figure out <laughs> or pay to do the formatting and those kinds of things, which is yes. perfectly fine too. Yes. Yeah, I think I just think it's an interesting publishing world and and one that um if you're not in it and if you don't understand the different pros and cons of the different models, you can get this feeling, oh, that's a self-published author instead of, oh my gosh, that's a self-published author. They figured out the whole thing and they're making sales. Right. That's awesome. Exactly. exactly. And unfortunately, I do think that there's still this uh this looking down on, on authors who are self-published. Less and less, because I think that um, the more that the internet like connects people, yeah. um, the less uh, real estate that that voice of the establishment gets, you know, because people can, people can debunk myths and they can, um, they can share their own ideas and, like they can form support groups and encouragement and they can share their own stuff, you know, and like not have to go through somebody else's channels to get their, get the word out about something that they've done. So. Well there, and there is a sense that there's an unveiling of the publishing process. It's not this mystical, magical process anymore. And so in some ways that takes away what publishers can charge or ask for in royalties because there are more people who know how to do the formatting and the listing and the market analysis and those kinds of things. And so I think that's good because, you know, more people are asking good questions about their contracts, about their rights, you know, and, and their royalty agreements too. So, yeah. That's definitely changing the dynamics as well. We're really off to see the wizard, right? Yes. We're like pulling the curtain back. Like we see you back there. <laughs> we know how this Well, works, and that's so. what we're trying to do as we talk and have conversations is there are people who know about this stuff, so don't just blindly agree to something because you're going to be published. <laughs> right, exactly. Because that's the Bauer card or the Trump card that people have been, the publishing houses have been using for so long mm-hmm. is, oh, yes, we'll publish you, but you have to da 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 Or what are those, remember what we, we were talking about, those um, not boutique publishing houses? Vanity Press. Yes. Okay, yes. I think you need to talk about that again. Because mm-hmm. I just um, heard somebody mention it and I was thinking we haven't talked about that in a while. You mean like Author Solutions? Yes. They pretend like they're going to do marketing for you, but they're not really. And if you pay them a certain amount of money, pay a lot of money. And the problem with that, I guess, is in that whole, like, um, in that whole self-publishing realm is you think you're self-publishing, but you're not actually, it's, um, 
it's vanity publishing and you end up losing a lot of money on that. And it's because you're putting all your, um, all your money into one pot there, all your eggs into one basket. Um, and the beauty of self-publishing is you can choose an editor from one place and a um, cover designer from somewhere else and a layout person from somewhere else. And you, you pick your team, you bring them all together. Um, and it's not that hard. Anybody who thinks that they need to go to a place like Author Solutions because those people know everybody is kidding themselves. Like you just go and Google search self-publishing resources. There's actually um, a website that I'm on that tweets about me occasionally um, that has a list of resources, anything that you could need for your self-publishing process. They have a whole bunch of them. And so you can go through and read people's resumes um, and decide who you want to work with. But What's it called? It's called self-publishers resource. I think uh, self-publishers showcase.com. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you have people who, uh, again, when you're in those vanity press models, you have people who are on retainer. So people are just feeding each other money. In this case, you have freelancers, right? Right. Who are, you know, working because they believe in what they're offering to this industry. Right. Yeah. It's, and that's the thing is that like, it's not like a, a form of kickback for anybody in that sense. Um, well, and I hadn't heard so much about this, about vanity presses recently. And then I've, I've started to hear about them again because some of the ones like author solution and, other things have been debunked and written about. And so people are more wary, but then you, what you have is you have, okay, that dies down. Well, then the vanity presses come back in a different Avenue of, Oh, you want to, you know? Yep. So you can look on self publishers showcase. Um, Mariana, I sent you the link to make oh, sure it all spelled correctly. Um, so you can look there to find, um, to find a list of different, um, resources that you might need to be able to publish your book. Um, you can also look on predators and editors. Oh, um, that's a good one. A list of people who, um, who may or may not be, sorry. Um, legit. Right. Exactly. There's reviews there. I was like, the name, it's coming to me. Um, there's, you know, lists of different people's reviews and their like experiences, bad experiences. So you can look there and find, I mean, I check there all the time actually, because I'm like, I'm going to make sure that I'm not listed here. And not that anyone has ever complained with me. We've all, I've like had really good experiences with all of my clients. Um, but you know, I just look because it's a weird world and stuff happens. So I'm like, I'm not listed there. Am I? Oh, because, because it's not oh, well here. It says it's not stating that the following listed businesses or people should be avoided. What we're stating is that complaints have been lodged. Right. Which is different. So you have to know that some of those are, are probably trolls. Yes. Some of those are, um, but some of them are not. And or you can get in touch with us. We know people. Yeah, it's true. We do know people. And I do think that that's important, you know, that you have a kind of vetting process that you are talking about. And I've had people who have contacted me and, you know, they are wary at first because they just found out about me, you know? Well, and you, I mean, anybody should go in with a good dose of healthy skepticism to like right. learn about somebody and ask them questions and make sure that you get all the facts before you just dive in and start handing somebody money. Um, so, cause people will take it. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Tell you what. <laughs> and people will take your creative capital too and post it on their website for their own benefit. Yep. Oh, gracious. <laughs> Anyhow. It's an exciting world and it can, and publishing your book can be done successfully, um, whether you go through a traditional route or whether you self-publish, it's, it's possible to do this. It's not 
that pipe dream that will never happen. If you want it, you can make it happen. So. Oh, that's a good word. You and you say that's because you know you can see it, can't you? I can see it. I can. You can actually see it. what your book is going to look like. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's so exciting. So exciting. Yeah, I'm in the revising process um, still, and I just um, um, I I changed something pretty major structurally a little while ago. Um, I think I talked about how I had this idea that was going to help with the, um, the motivation and the tension in the plot. And, um, so I changed one thing. And then because of that, like I just today started writing something that is new, that's going to go in there. Um, because like, because of changing that one thing, then in order to like help that be solid, I had to change this, create this new scene. So I'm kind of working on that right now and it's fun. I'm enjoying it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that's so exciting. I feel like I've come, you know, you can get so stuck and you're like, okay, I have this um, idea of what this looks like, but what, you know, what is this really, how is it all going to turn out together? Yeah. So, I'm kind of excited to start writing again, too. Yay! Yay for starting writing. Yay! Well, speaking of that, Camp Nano is coming up, people. There's only six Next more week. days. Yeah. Only six more days until camp starts. So you should go sign up. And um, I have a couple spots still left in my cabin, or there's... Um, oh, wait. Am I officially in your cabin no, yet? No, you Come haven't. Ah! You go and sign in and do the whole thing, and then let me know, and I'll... Um, Oh no, I'm going to have to remember my password again. Yeah, exactly. You know how long this takes me. I better start working on it now. <laughs> so yeah, work on it. Cause I'll add you to my cabin. Um, and then, and, but you don't, you don't have to know anybody to do camp. Listeners. You can just like go and they'll assign you to a random cabin and you can meet some new writing people. Um, based, they even do it like based on your interests and your genre. Um, so it's not like you would be, a YA and with a whole bunch of romance writers, you know, or um, a romance writer and with a whole bunch of like hardcore sci-fi. Um, <laughs> so like, make sure you, um, that you sign up and you get to choose your goal in camp. You don't have to do 50,000 words. You can do a lot less um, or a lot more. It's totally up to you and whatever you need um, to be motivated to do. But I'm really excited because, because um, I have goals. <laughs> I want to be done with this revision. And so April is my month, baby. It's going to be done. Um, this is it. Yeah. So, um, so sign up people. It's, All right. I'm in now. What do I do? Um, go set up your novel. I did that. It's all set up. You just did it right now. Yeah. Okay. Then let me see. And you're Mariana. I think I'm M. Harrelson. M. Harrelson. Yeah. M. Harrelson cabins cabin settings. is it all you have to invite me is that how yeah. it works uh-huh it's all one yeah it's all smushed together okay i invited you <laughs> wow that fast yeah. were you not impressed at how um quickly i am impressed that you remembered i mean i ran also long enough right there so that you could remember it yeah <laughs> well you think you remember how long it took me three days last time i would also like to uh be absolved because I have paid my library fines. Oh, good for you. Good for you. And guess how much they were. I don't, I don't even want to know. Do I want to know? It's like 10 cents a day, right? So it takes quite a while to get up to even a dollar. Uh huh. $3 and 40 cents. Oh gosh, Mariana. Well, they, I misplaced it for a while. They will send a collection agency after you. We had that happen to us once when I was a kid. And that's when I like got really obsessive about taking library books back. And Yeah, the thing about it is I have had a collection. No, I've had the threat before the collection agency when I was a first year teacher. And one of the books that I got in the first, first you know, days of school kind of tech set that I had created got lost. Oh, no. And finally, I was like, okay, I'm just going to pay for this book because I'm sure one of my kids took it home and they probably need it. Like, I'll just buy the book for them. <laughs> and so I, it was funny. So, oh, my brother was getting married or something. And my mom was like, okay, 
you know, what can I help you do to get ready for this weekend? I was like, here, take this blank check, pay the library, whatever, whatever they say. It doesn't even matter to me. That's hilarious. And get me at a hawk with the library. She's like, all right. That's awesome. $3.40 later. Actually, but you know what? One of the cool things is that our library has uh, suspended, ceased and desist with uh, doing fees for kids' books. Oh, that's good. Isn't that good? That's just, like, sad. So now I will be um, checking out only young adult books. <laughs> in the you're hopes that I don't. You're not going to read it. Right. Awesome. Oh, my goodness. So, um, guess what? What? Beverly Clearly yeah. is 99. That's crazy. Oh, no, she's turning 100. She's turning 100? Yeah. Wow. She's been around a while. I know. Some of her characters are 50 years old. <sighs> Which ones? Ramona? Yep. Jesus? And Henry Huggins? Yeah. Yeah, look at that. In, on April 12th, she'll be 100 years old. I'm sitting here looking at our kids books and I'm thinking we have a lot of Beverly clearly we need to start reading yeah might be time we've been in um Royal Doll for quite a while now might be time to switch authors yeah doing a little author study you know okay cabins no how do I invited you oh I got it I got it I got it I'm in I'm in yay you're in Cool. I don't know these people, but no, they're nice though. They're all my um, my Yolo County Nano people. So. I'll write a little message. So that's another good thing about having a cabin is that you can talk to people. Mm-hmm. That's the point. So, yay, yay for yay. <clears throat> And Beverly Cleary and all kinds of stuff. Yes. Okay, so tell me what you're reading. Um, well, I've been on kind of a reading hiatus, actually, because I've been busy and then we went to the Grand Canyon. Wait, wait, wait. What? You can be on a reading hiatus a even if bit. you're a writer? Well, I mean, it happens. You know, like the stuff that I've been reading has been chopped up pieces of manuscripts, not actual manuscripts or... Um, whatever. But I mean, I was still in the middle of reading for my friend Karen. Um, and I'm going to finish that at some point. <laughs> but I told her it was going to take me a while. But um, but, but yeah. I think this is a good thing to remind people of is that even those of us who work in the industry sometimes don't have time to read. Right. You take a break for a while and then go back to it. So, so that's where I am. Although I did. And I don't know if I've mentioned on this particular podcast before my utter disdain for um herman melville but you know (laughs) yes do not have any i think you and molly discussed this (laughs) probable um but i don't i don't care for herman melville at all um but uh recently there was a link for um an audio project for moby dick where they've done like every chapter is recorded being read by some buddy famous and british and benedict cumberbatch reads one of the chapters and so i was like well maybe i will give it a try and so i've i've listened to three chapters of moby dick so far now i mean you know the caveat being i've read the book twice for in college so like I've done my time with Herman Melville. I really don't have to do it again. Really <laughs> it's not that I'm having this uninformed opinion. Exactly. No, I know him and I don't like him. Exactly. So, um, but uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's chapter isn't until like chapter 50. And so I'm like, well, am I going to skip ahead or am I just going to keep listening? I don't know. Um, but I am enjoying because like this is what audiobook for me is the most significant part of it is like hearing the um, narrator's interpretation of it and yes actually chapter three has been my favorite so far um of being read 
this bowder in chapter um is read by nigel williams and i really enjoyed his his interpretation of it so it was it was fun and um it made me like disdain ishmael a little bit i was just like oh my god he's so annoying right now um but so just reading listening along um has been somewhat enjoyable so i'm not gonna there you be, go that's a good not story gonna be a herman melville uh convert ever but that doesn't matter so much do you need the link for that for the show notes by the way got it you got it okay yep awesome but see, you're giving it another chance. That's what's most important. Yeah. I'm kind of uh, a glutton for punishment that way. I'm like, uh, it's the same thing with me. And like, I I think every year I try to read Ulysses. I can't get more than like 150 pages into that book before I stop because I just can't, I can't do it anymore. And I am still trying. So <laughs> like, I'll probably go back and try it again this year at some point. But it's, it's one of those things where, like, I, it's not like I can pick up at page 160. I have to start no. over because I, like, it's too hard to understand in the middle. I think it's important to have those kind of books in your life, you know, like, and <clears throat> for me, this is terrible. It's Barbara Kingsolver's The Lacuna. Okay. I, I can't, I can't get through it. I haven't tried that one yet. I've tried it like six times. <laughs> And I really like King Solver, but this one, I don't know. Like, I just have no connection to it. It's not clicking at all. And so it sits on my Goodreads reading list, and it sits on the um, ledge of my bathtub mm-hmm. looking at me with this bright yellow cover. And I think, one day, one day I'm going to I'm gonna march through that one. Yes. Or I'm just going to give it away and give it up. No. Oh, I think I heard Baby in the background. Oh yeah, he's he might be waking up. Disappointed that you're gonna give away your book instead of conquering it. Yes, <laughs> you need these in your re- reading life. Well, okay, so I went to a book called Gilead, mm. which is the Pul- Pul- uh, Pul- Pulitzer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. My throat won't do that. My <laughs> I've got allergies. Um, yeah, winner that it has been sitting on my shelf for a while. Nice. And it's good. It's about a minister. Mm. Reflection on life. And it has all of these allegories to biblical text. I was trying to see what year it was. 2004, maybe the winner, or 2005. Mm. I have a couple of Pulitzer Prize winners on my shelf. And a couple that I've actually even read, which is surprising, but they're, they're sitting there. I mean, I, the one that I've like that I'm thinking of right now that I know I've read is Lonesome Dove, which was Larry. Oh, um, speaking of the West, but that was a book that my, um, I have, I have an uncle that he encouraged my reading life um, from a young age. I think I was like 11 or 12 when he started giving me classics like he sent me a copy of um the yearling and like of f scott fitzgerald short stories and um you know all kinds of books like that to influence my growth as a reader um but turn you into an english major one of those two yeah definitely (laughs) so um yeah but it was good it's a good book I read the other well, one. Well, and that's another book too called Streets of Laredo and that goes along with it. So Oh, I'm gonna have to put those in my Goodreads. They're they're good. So I've gotten thick, but sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say so I've gotten through a good significant portion of my to read list in a specific genre, so now I'm hopping back over into novels. Right. You know, I, I'm a genre hopper. Yeah. I'll admit it. But you I mean you definitely need to be and you know, because like as as an editor you you have your own publishing company you need to be well-rounded you need to be versed in you know the genres that you want to specialize publish in. yeah but then you also want to branch out some and see what else is going on in other places so that's what goodreads um recommendations and to be read lists are for is to help you like organize that and not forget oh yeah i wanted to look into this but I and I have a tendency to do this to read a lot. So I've read a lot in memoir, especially female memoir mm-hmm. lately. 
And gosh, I read Bossy Pants. I read Yes, Please. I read Lean In. I read Pastrix. You know, I've just, I've been in that genre for a while. So I'm ready to hop to another one for a bit. That's funny because I think I'm about to hop into memoir, but more from the, um, the retired military professional um, angle, Ooh. because that's what I'm hoping. Because that's what you're writing. Yeah. Ghostwrite. And so I asked him if he has any favorite memoirs. He's supposed to get back to me this week on that. Um, today, actually, when we go have lunch together at Dickie's Barbecue, he's supposed Ooh. to tell me um, what his favorite memoirs are. And then I had like another list of questions from some of the stuff of his material that I've been going through. So got to work on some of that. But I was like, I need, I need some kind of basis for comparison. So right. you know what we're we're shooting for. But. Yeah, what you're trying to create. And that's that's such an important thing. Maybe that's why, too, is because my ghostwriting project's a novel, so I need to get back into the world of novel. Yeah, and but your personal project is a memoir, so yeah, that's why you've been doing that. So people, your reading lists, they have a purpose. Like, don't yeah. just read willy-nilly. Or if you do um, read whatever, like, take stock of what it has been that you've been reading and maybe think about, you know, when, if you're going to pick a project to work on, pick something that is like, that you have that kind of experience consuming because it will help you, um, to be able to put out something that is similar to that. It doesn't have to be the same. Nobody ever says it should be the same and you should look for ways that you can, um, break conventions if you, if you can, um, but you got to know the conventions before exactly, you break them. But you have to <laughs> yeah. conventions to break them. And so like if you like to read YA and you like to read fantasy, um, maybe don't try to write a ridiculously military serious. memoir. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> well, at least not without reading a whole lot first. So anyways, that's right. So I'm if you do want to talk about reading lists or writing or publishing – yeah. Could people talk to you about that? Yeah, you can contact me lots of ways. You can t- contact me through my editor's website at www.writingrefinery.com. Um, and I'm totally like game to talk about um, your project and what your project needs are. You can also talk to me on my author website at elizabethkaufman.com. I'm happy to talk to you there as well about other aspects of life and being human and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, and you can find me at HarrelsonPress.com, at Harrelson Press on Twitter, Harrelson Press on Facebook, or if you want to see what I'm writing about and thinking about and talking about, you can find me over at Mariana.net. Yeah. Tell you what, it's exciting times. Yes, it is. And go sign up from, for camp. Yes, yeah, sign up for camp and sign up for all kinds of things. Come, come play with us. Come write with us. <laughs> all right. All right. Until next time, bye. Bye.